When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 302, and we are recording on October 12th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. It is a beautiful fall day. It's finally cardigan weather here, which is my favorite weather. (laughs) Nice, nice. We are in our second false fall. We will have one more final summer. And then we will have actual fall. Oh. So here. It'll be 90 degrees this week. And then the, then the week after will be actually fall. So it's <laughs> wild. Virginia. I, <laughs> I should check to see if Philly has that. I actually don't. I had no idea. <laughs> I have goldfish brain when it comes to weather. <laughs> so this is not an autumnal show. I mean, I guess it is because we're recording in the autumn. This is a reading recommendation show. And how it worked. Did you like that transition? That was good. Yeah, that was very good. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. How it works is that you send us your reading recommendation request. So if you need a reading recommendation for yourself or your book club or a gift, we are coming upon that season. Um, then you can send those to us via email at getbooktipbookwrite.com or you can drop them in the form, which is in the show notes, lives at the bottom of the show notes on the site. Um, we have a few housekeeping things. Firstly, uh, we are in the middle, I guess. Yeah, it's the middle of October, the middle of a run of merch for Book Riot because October was our 10th anniversary, which is totally bananas. (laughs) So we created like a limited edition run of like sweatshirts and hoodies. They're very cozy and the yellow is the best color objectively, especially this time of year. Agreed. Um, They're also totes. So you can go get those at bookriot.com slash merch. Those will be available through the end of the month. And then the last housekeeping thing is that we are hiring again. (laughs) I feel like this is the constant message this year. Uh, We are expanding and we're hiring an advertising sales manager. So if you are a book person, which I assume you are, otherwise, why are you here? Who is interested in sales, if you have prior sales experience, especially or account management experience, although those are not required. We strongly encourage applications from women, individuals with disabilities and people of color. We have great benefits, not to do our own horns, but we have health insurance, 401ks, 160 hours of PTO, um, and then a bunch of other things. So if you want to apply for that, you can visit bookriot.com slash join us. That's join dash us. Applications close on October 24th. And I'm doing the interviewing for that. <laughs> so if you want to interview with me, but don't email me with questions about the job because I'm not, I'm not answering them. So okay, anyway, um, we have a few items of feedback and then we will get rolling. From Laura, for the person who's looking for food mysteries, I really enjoyed the Hannah Swenson cookie mysteries. Starts with chocolate chip cookie murder by Joanna Fluke. I think this is for the same answer from Suzanne. For the reader looking for cozy, foodie, romantic, punny mysteries, Goldie Bear series by Diane Mott Davidson, who's a caterer in Colorado. Sloan Krauss series by Ellie Alexander, who is a chef slash brewer in Washington State. Um, let's see. Carol. For Leslie, who's looking for nature books, Leave Only Footprints, My Acadia to Zion Journey Through Every National Park by Connor Knighton. It's not as hardcore nature as Into Thin Air, but will make you want to run out to the nearest national park and appreciate it in so many new ways. Oh, that sounds nice. 
Jennifer, someone, oh, this is great. This is a recommendation from our AMA. Someone on your AMA asked about keeping up with new books from their favorite authors. I work at an indie bookstore and we use fantastic fiction for series order and such when customers have questions. You can also create accounts there. And when you do, you can select up to 100 authors to follow. And then you'll get emails every time a new book is announced for that author. They also send emails when the book is actually released. So this is exactly what this person was looking for. We didn't have this when I was an indie bookseller. So no. maybe it existed and we just didn't know. That's just fancy. That's fancy. Fantastic fiction is what that's called. Um, and then Rachel, for Brie from episode 297, looking for book club picks to read with her sisters, I would recommend Furthermore by Tahara Mafi, Lucy Bailey's on Alice in Wonderland, Full of Magic. And then our last one is from Zara, who says, I have a recommendation for Stagehand from episode 297. Theatrical by Maggie Harcourt is a YA romance about Hope, who works backstage at her local theater and then gets an internship on a big show. Okay. I will read our first question. We will hear from our first sponsor and then away we will go. Question one is from Carla who says, I'm looking for a contemporary romance with a post-college age virgin heroine, but that's not weird or gross about it. Okay, let's hear from our first sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95 and she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Elena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> Jen, let's talk about virgins. <laughs> I was not prepared for that. <laughs> She's an unpredictable minx. She is. She is. That Amanda Nelson. All right. So, yeah, this is a great question. I love yeah. this question because, yes, like, obviously, real life women in their 20s, post-college, 20s, 30s, mm -hmm. whatever, 
have not had sex yet. And it doesn't have to be weird or gross uh, mm-hmm. to talk about that. So I am recommending A Prince on Paper by Alyssa Cole, which blah, 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 not the first book in the series. Read the whole series. <laughs> it's really good. This is technically book three. And I love this one for a lot of reasons because it pairs Nia Jeremy, who is from The Solo, which is this African nation that only exists in the world of this romance series. Uh, She has, well, okay, so content warning, uh, emotionally Mm. abusive parent. Her father is terrible and tried to prevent the marriage of a couple in a different book by, like, poisoning the heroine, like, bad news bears. He's terrible. He's in jail. (laughs) And he's also, like, embezzled a lot of money from the kingdom. And she is trying to, like, distance herself, obviously, from him Mm -hmm. as much as possible because she was under his thumb, like, helping do his bidding in ways that she is not proud of and is trying to free herself from. But it's very emotionally manipulative, etc. And she is, she has, like, left the solo for New York City to try to, like, have her own life, but she's going back for a wedding. And she ends up sharing a plane home with Johann von Braustein, who is a prince of Lichtenborg, another <laughs> another pretend country that only exists in here. And he is, like, a known, he is, like, the contemporary rake. Like, he is a known playboy heartthrob, et cetera, et cetera. And Nia loves to play this dating simulation game, and there's a character in her dating sim based on him that she is actually currently wooing through the sim. So it's, like, all sorts of, like, complicated and confusing. And she's just, like... He is obviously not for me. Also, he's probably an asshole. I can't believe I have to share this flight with him. And he, it turns out, to, of course, have a heart of gold, et cetera, et cetera. And the whole thing is them learning to, like, drop their guards and figure out how to trust and, and, you know, get into each other. Um, But for various reasons, she has not had a lot of experience with relationships. And so, and he, of course, is like a known playboy. And so the Mm. dynamic there is, it's really beautifully handled, I think. And I also love the journey that Nia goes on with sort of figuring out how to reconcile her own feelings about family loyalty with the reality of what her father is. And it's like, it's very good at that as well. So all kinds of goodness going on in A Prince on Paper by Alyssa Cole. All right. I also really liked this question. I like skimmed it, which is how do you skim one sentence? But I did. I skimmed it. And then my answer that I put in when I first made the agenda was like, read every historical ever because all of those women are virgins. And then I went back and was like, oh, that's not that's not what she's asking for even a little bit. So I had to take this one to the contributors and our um, one of our contributing editors, Annika, who copy edits our site, recommended Fix Her Up by Tessa Bailey because I could not think of anything. And it's so great. So this is about a woman named uh, named Georgette. First of all, let me rewind. Fixer Up is a HGTV pun, which I am so here for. Okay, back to the present. <laughs> Georgette is the heroine. Her family runs a home renovation business in her town, but she is not working for the home renovation business. She is a professional clown. Like, this is the thing that she wants to do. She loves doing, like, planning children's birthday parties and making people laugh. But she is also kind of wanting to be an adult. Like, she's ready for the transition to I am now an adult person who has control of their life. So she's going to date. She's going to, you know, give herself a makeover, buy clothes that aren't leggings, get a website for her company, like kind of get her stuff together. She's not ever been on a date because nobody wants to date like the kid's sister of the whole town. She's that kind of person, right? Or a professional clown that has been a bit of a 
Well, I can't say what it is, but like <laughs> blocking things from her, if you know what I'm saying. I don't want to get the explicit label. And then Travis is the hero. He was a baseball player. Um, he got injured. And so now he's back into town. And Travis is Georgette's brother's best friend, because of course he is. Um, and he has only ever seen her as like, you know, his best friend's sister. But now she's all grown up and she has a proposal, which is that they will pretend to date, which will help him get a new job because of like situation, because he's also a home renovator, like a home flipper and her family owns, you know, the best home renovation in town or business in town. So it will benefit him. And then she can like shock her family and change their expectations of her. And their picture of her is like a tiny girl who's just a clown who like doesn't, who was like not an adult. And so this is the thing they agree to do. And, you know, it's not like she's been in love with him since she was a child. She absolutely has been in love with him since she was a child. So this is only going to lead to, like, shenanigans and antics, which are quite fun and charming and silly. Because the main character is a clown, so I don't know what you want. So anyway, that's Fix Her Up by Tessa Bailey. Super, super cute. Yeah, I'm going to need to read that immediately. (laughs) Side note, apparently lots of people are needing romance right now because we have so Mm. many romance questions this episode. Mm. I guess it's like seasonal. Who knows? Anyway, here for it. (laughs) Our next question is from Maggie, who says, I've gotten into reading romance in the past couple of years, but I have trouble finding romance novels I really like. As someone who's somewhere on the gray sexual spectrum, I'm just not very interested in reading about sexy times. I'm not morally opposed. I just can't really relate. So when I see a description of a romance that includes the word steamy, it's a pass. But I love romance and emotional connections and a good Pride and Prejudice 2005 Mr. Darcy hand flex moment. (laughs) Excellent, Maggie. Excellent. Yes. Uh, So any romance recommendations where sexual attraction and sex scenes don't play a big role. I don't mind if there's a bit of sex on the page as long as it's not a significant part of the book. Things I like are friends to lovers, pining, and average-looking main characters. Things I don't like are friends with benefits, casual sex, irresistibly sexy characters, and anything where physical attraction plays a significant role. I'm fine with historical or contemporary, straight or other, just give me some romance. All right, I'm just going to keep talking. I picked for you How to Be a Movie Star by T.J. Klune, which is an extremely sweet romance that does not include much physical stuff at all because one of the main characters is Ace. And it is also extremely funny because Josiah Erickson, one of our main dudes, is a, like, snowflake cinnamon roll. I don't even know how, like, unicorn. He's amazing. Like, he's extremely (laughs) sweet. He is neurodiverse and, like, uh, also stoned all the time. And, like, he (laughs) is so like straightforward and a little bit oblivious to how other people are and like just doesn't also just doesn't care like is perfectly happy to be himself and he has friends and you know people around him who are like yep you are great the way you are however that is and he also wants to be a movie star and so he lives in Los Angeles he's extremely broke like trying to make a break and he also ends up meeting this novelist who goes by, like, an alias, Cubert, who writes erotica, like, Chuck Tingle erotica, like, monster, (laughs) whatever, like, weird, fantastical erotica. And they meet, and Josie is just like, oh, I want... I want to know you. Like, I'm so interested in you. You're so interesting. Like, super duper big crush. But it's all about 
Qbert's like brain and the books that he writes and like the whole vibe of Qbert is what is what Josie is so attracted to. And then Qbert is actually also making a film. Uh, so, you know, you can imagine what happens next. And it's I just love the way these two characters connect, the way they negotiate physical attraction and matters in the development of their relationship and like the support cast is so good like everything about this book is just like makes me feel warm and fuzzy and it really is not about the physical stuff although certainly they talk about it um so again that's how to be a movie star by tj clun so I latched on to the 2005 Mr. Darcy Hamflex <laughs> moment mention and also your desire for books about average looking main characters. And that led me to Shades of Milk and Honey by Mary Robinette Cowell, which is blurbed as Pride and Prejudice meets Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. It's not that chonky, so like you don't have to be afraid of a 600 page doorstopper, but it is a fantastic fantastical? Would that be the correct use of this word? It is a fantasy retelling of Pride and Prejudice. So in this version, Jane is a very normal, plain looking person. um, And she has a lot of sisters, you know, as is true in Pride and Prejudice. But she is very talented in what they call glamour, which is just magic in this universe. So she and in this universe, the upper class folk use their glamour mostly to entertain themselves, like mostly for home decor to be honest like changing their room so they look nicer and smell nice um and also to mildly or majorly depending on the person change the way that they look and jane refuses to do it she will not use her her glamour to make herself prettier she is who she is and she's totally fine with that and insists that everybody else be fine with it too thank you very much but she is the most talented magician magical practitioner like in her village her sister melody who's is much prettier but is not any good really at the glamour stuff and then i don't really like if you are familiar with the plot of pride and prejudice which you obviously are then you don't really need more like details about the plot of shades of milk and honey it is exactly what it sounds like it's pride and prejudice with magic but the relationship that jane herself gets into with the like darcy-esque character who is himself a very talented glamorist uh does eventually lead to like some carriage chases it's got a little bit more adventure than i think the original pride and prejudice says not than i think than it does there are no carriage chases in pride and prejudice (laughs) maybe there should be and like some cover-ups and like conspiracies and things like that so it's a it's a bit more adventurous it's a little more fast-paced obviously it's written in modern language but the romance between jane and the darcy-esque character is not like steamy it's very Pride and Prejudice level. Like there's there is pining, there are glances, there's also like, I hate you. Wait, maybe I don't hate you. Crap. <laughs> like that whole conflict that Jane has with herself is present here also. It's not exactly enemies to lovers. Like they don't they're not trying to do harm to each other necessarily, but it's it's suspicion to lovers, I would say. So that's Shades of Milk and Honey by Mary Robinette Cowell. All right, our third question is from Laura, who says, I belong to an amazing book club that is in its fifth year. We have a great mix of book selections and love that everyone always finishes the book for great discussions. We always pair our book club with a delicious dinner, often based on the book, when we can. We read mostly literary fiction, and some of our favorite books were A Gentleman in Moscow, My Brilliant Friend, The Flight Portfolio, Homegoing, and Abigail. I'm looking for some literary fiction recommendations, old or new, that will encourage a lively discussion to keep our book club going strong. Okay, Jen, what you got? Surprising no one. (laughs) <laughs> I am picking Disoriental by Nagar Javadi, translated by Tina Cover. 
because it's so perfect for this question and it doesn't sound like you've already done it. So this book, as longtime listeners will know, is about a family who have had to flee Iran when our main character, Kimia, is 10 uh, because of the political unrest and civil war. And she is, you You go back and forth in her timeline. When the book opens, you get adult Kimia who's living in Paris and undergoing fertility treatments to have a baby. And it is a look back and forth both at her own timeline and the timeline of her entire family in Iran and like how they came to be. And it really digs deep into this like family lore vibe, which is really interesting. The structure also like this, but I have done this book in book clubs and it is always a great discussion because there's so much to talk about. There's so many interesting character moments and it's a translation. So there's that. And like not for nothing, like Persian food, oh my goodness, like you mm-hmm. will be hungry as you read this book. It's not like super food focused, but there are definitely moments. And who does not want an excuse to have that kind of feast? Like I definitely want to be at that book club meeting. So I think that for so many reasons, this is exactly what you are looking for. So content warning, because obviously this is about the war There is on-page violence related to war. Like, you see people die. It's pretty grisly. Just a heads up. But again, that's Disoriental by Nigar Javadi. I picked If I Had Your Face by Frances Cha, which takes place in South Korea. It's such a great book with so many, like, opportunities for discussion and also Korean food. Like, there you go. You're welcome. So um, this is a debut novel also, which I always love to recommend. It takes place in Seoul. And it's about four young women who all live in the same apartment complex and the ways that their worlds intersect and the kind of struggles, or not struggles, the pressures that they're all under to look a certain way and to financially survive, even though they have very different lives. So the kind of main character is Kayori, who's super, super pretty. She's had tons of plastic surgery. And she works as a salon girl. Like they call it a a room salon, which is really just a bar, like an exclusive bar where women are employed to entertain obnoxious rich men while they drink. Like that's her whole job. But it's a really well-paying job. And there are obvious opportunities to make extra money here. Nudge, nudge. And so she has had all of these surgeries, which is not uncommon and is becoming increasingly more common and not even just common in South Korea, but like necessary if there are certain public facing jobs that you want to have. It's almost become an expectation. And her roommate, Miho, is an artist who spent some time in New York on a scholarship and has come back to Korea and is now dating an uber wealthy dude who's like the heir to a really big corporation in South Korea who was dating her best friend in New York and for various kind of tragic reasons is no longer. And then Ara is the third main character. She's a hairstylist. She does not speak. And, oh, trigger warning for, well, I don't even know what I would call, like, bullying um, and violence with her. So she doesn't speak, and she's obsessed with a boy band pop star. Who among us is not, right? (laughs) And so she's got her own kind of expectations from her job. And then the last character uh, is Wana, who is a newlywed and has a child and is trying to figure out with her husband how they're possibly going to survive in the in the economy of South Korea and raise this daughter to like not have the same kind of struggles that she herself had. So you can tell that these are like not other than the roommates, the four of them don't always really cross paths. Some of them are partiers, some of them are moms, like it's all it's a big mixed bag. But the struggles here are the same. It's all about the expectations placed on women to entertain 
and lift up annoying men who have money and how women are shut out of economic opportunity. Like that's the entire thing. But it's told through the struggles of these four different characters. It's very character driven. Like there's not tons of plot. It's not super fast moving. But I find character driven novels to be more uh, to provide better fodder for book club discussions than plot driven ones, because then you can just talk about like whether or not you my book club tends to devolve into like whether or not we liked someone. <laughs> But we're a self-aware book club, so the, that turns into, like, our own thing. You know, like, the way that people respond to a quote-unquote likable or unlikable character says more about them than it does about the character. Anyway, so that's If I Had Your Face by Francis Chaw. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, our fourth question is for a puzzling paranormal mystery. Uh, let's see. Kelly says, with October coming up, I'd like to line up some reads for Halloween. But the thing is, I'm a big wimp when it comes to horror, so I have to get at the spooky from the side. I have a particular sort of read in mind, pretty specific. Largely realistic fiction, featuring a mysterious, seemingly paranormal event where the focus is uncovering the history slash rules governing its behavior, or where they feature heavily in the resolution. E.g., vampires can only enter if invited, the haunted house brings about a particular set of symptoms and victims, Hellraiser attacks the teen who opens the box, etc. <laughs> this shows up a lot in Japanese mystery slash horror, The Ring, for instance, but I'd like to keep the creep factor low if possible. Examples I can think of. Another by Yukito Ayatsuji, Death Note by Sugumi Oba, and The Red Tree by Caitlin R. Kiernan. So, Kelly, I my pick for you is a little more magical than it sounds like you had in mind, but it fulfills all of the other requirements for you. So I am going ahead and recommending it anyway. It's The Inheritance of Orchidea Divina by Zoraida Cordova. And I, this book is like the October book, for the record. I'm calling <laughs> it like this is the October book. It is dark, but it is like, and it has like some very creepy elements, but it is not horror. It has magic. It has family shenanigans. It has like magic that they have to figure out like what are the rules of this? Like why is it happening the way it is? Also it's all set in like the contemporary well the real world both present and slightly past. And it's just so good. Uh, it's also Cordova's first adult novel which uh, I'm like here for. I mean I love her way but also very here mm -hmm. for this book. So it's about the Montoyas and the matriarch Orchidia is like not your average human. Her There's always rumors surrounding her and her house sort of like appeared out of nowhere one day and just like took up residence in this valley that she like has the paperwork for. Surprise. Um, But like, how did that happen? Who knows? Who cares? And her children and grandchildren have just sort of learned like, don't ask questions. And most of them are living very ordinary lives when she sends out an invitation to her funeral. She is not dead yet, but she's like, hey, I'm headed out, so come back and get your inheritance. And so two, the next two generations show up, and you're following it from three of the grandchildren's POVs. And like, there's all, I mean, it is the most like family fight. I it just, I was like, oh yes, I have been at this family gathering where like, here's the surly uncle and here's the peacemaking aunt and here's like the, you know, niece and nephews who like have no idea what's going on and just want to like do their like phones or whatever. And it's just, it was just so accurate. I was like, it's like a little bit like, oh, right. And that's coming up. Like holidays are going to happen. And then, so, like, this whole thing happens. Orchidea is turning into a tree. Surprise. Nobody really knows why. And there's somebody 
who has it in for the family and people are starting to die and the three grandchildren have to figure out like what is going on. And so they end up going back to Ecuador, uh, which is where Orchidia is from, to try to figure out like put all the puzzle pieces together. With varying success, for the record. Um, But it's so well done. And I just, I yeah, it is an extremely perfect October book. And I think you might like it, even though, again, it is more on the magical side than some of the other things you referenced. So that's The Inheritance of Orchidia Divina by Zoraida Cordova. All right. I went with Zone One by Colson Whitehead, which is spooky, but not scary, I think, depending on your scariness level. Uh, And it also feels pretty timely. So this is a zombie novel. It's a zombie novel. Colson Colson Whitehead wrote a zombie novel. And the zombie plague is kind of, it's not, it's spread through an infection. And when the book opens, the main character, Mark, is living in this kind of post-apocalyptic world. So the pandemic in the... The fictional one, the fictional pandemic with the zombies that has taken over has uh, taken the whole world and the people who are left who are alive are now tasked with rebuilding civilization. And so the government in the U.S. has moved to Buffalo, uh, New York, and their first assignment is to resettle Manhattan. So that means that the military has reclaimed the island like south of like where Canal Street is. That's what they call zone one. But there are still some zombies that are in that zone. And so they hire these like civilian task forces to go building by building and clear the zombies out. The twist here is that there are violent, you know, kind of typical zombies, like the ones that chase you. And if they bite you, you're infected and they want to eat your brains and all of that. But the disease doesn't express that way. And everyone who's infected, some people just kind of become living dead, like statues. So they stand still, they never move. They somehow don't die. I mean, they're not eating. They're not sleeping. They're just standing around doing, repeating whatever it was they were doing when they got sick over and over and over again. So like people will mow their lawn for years. People will stand at a copy machine making copies for years. And it is the job of this civilian force to clear those people out as well. They're kind of harmless. Like they don't attack. They don't do anything. They just are there. And so there's this question of like, what do we do with these stragglers who are kind of catatonic But they're not dead, but they're not alive, but they can't spread it unless they bite you. Like, it's all a big shrug. And this is, like, how you were asking about uh, governing behavior. This is the governing behavior of the, like, quote-unquote monsters in this book. But what happens is that they start to behave counter to their governing behaviors, and everything starts to fall apart. So Mark is a pretty cynical funny, wry character, very typical of Colson Whitehead, I think. I mean, I think he kind of sounds like Colson Whitehead a little bit, the way that he talks. And you go back and forth between the present day when he's dealing with this crisis that's in front of him, and then also the past before the plague started, and what his life was like, and then how he survived to get to this point. So it's pretty seasonally appropriate. You know, it is classified on Goodreads as a horror novel. But as we've said many times, we have pretty low tolerance for horror here on this show. And I read it with no problems, no nightmares, no nothing. It was fine. So that's Zone One by Colson Whitehead. Cosign. <laughs> and now it is time for our next sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. 
Diana Dixon has a busy summer and no time for tall, gorgeous hockey player Shane's shenanigans. Because you know what? If they shenan once, they'll shenan again. So she thinks she knows exactly who he is when he moves into her apartment building. But turns out Shane's sick of hookups and tired of being on the rebound after his long-term girlfriend called it quits. But when his ex comes back into the picture, he needs a plan. And who better to play his new girlfriend than his sassy new neighbor? So a a fake relationship might be perfect for Diana's own ex issues, but Diana is used to living by the rules. Will she learn that when it comes to love, rules are meant to be broken? Make sure to check out The Dixon Rule by L. Kennedy. L. Kennedy is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author with over a million copies of her books sold. So this is going to be another banger, y'all. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks Landmark. So King Solomon says something very interesting to his son before he dies, and that is, quote, don't let the white man take the house, end quote. These, as I just mentioned, are King Solomon's last words to his son as he dies. Now, all four Solomon siblings must return to North Carolina to save the kingdom, their ancestral home, and 200 acres of land from a development company. Told in alternating viewpoints, Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris is a searing portrait of the power of family and letting go of things that no longer serve you, exploring the burden of familial expectations, the detriment of miscommunication, and the lessons and legacies we pass on to our children. It's an explosive and emotional story of four siblings, each fighting their own personal battle, because who isn't, who return home in the wake of their father's death. Make sure to check out Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris. And thanks again to Sourcebooks Landmark for sponsoring this episode. All right. Question five is from Osheta, who says, Every autumn, I find myself wanting to read a specific kind of book. I'm looking for a book set in an apple orchard. Every week from September to December, I go for a long walk in an orchard within an hour's drive from my house. I always wonder about the people who live in and tend the orchard. I dream up mysteries or romantic stories that are apple spice scented and cozy. I really just want to get lost in a couple of books set in my favorite place, the apple orchard. I'm open to memoirs as long as it's not tragic. A day in the life of a farmer or big city girl buys a farm and learns about the beauty of life is more my speed. And I don't mind romance or mysteries as long as they are cozy. I'm a black woman, so anything black, autumnal, and apple orchard would be amazing. I'm looking for books, not graphic novels. Another request I have is books for October. I'm looking for books that feature black witches. Not necessarily voodoo, but black women participating in things like Wicca, witchcraft, and the like. My dream would be to find a book like Practical Magic, but with black women. All right, Jen, we split this one up. Jen took the orchard and I took the witches and away we will go. (laughs) Yeah. And I just for the record, I worked really hard (laughs) trying to find you your trifecta, black autumnal and set on an apple orchard. And I did not succeed. So I am sorry for that. If anybody listening knows of one that fits Mm -hmm. the bill, please do share. But I have black cozy set on a farm with like a lot of plant feelings, which I think is pretty close. It was recommended by Jessica Pride, also from our When in Romance show, and she would know. Uh, This is Work For It by Talia Hibbert. We have talked about Hibbert's work before. This one is new to me, actually. I'm really excited for my Goodreads hold to come in. And it's uh, male male. It's Griffin, who is like a 
very sort of like grumpy, I prefer plants to people. I have a farm so that I don't have to talk to people and like <laughs> leave me alone. And then there's Keynes, who is like a city slicker, you know, very sophisticated and, you know, carefree and very pretty and all of that. And they have like a one night stand kind of situation um, and then have to figure out like, can they be together and also plants farming <laughs> so <laughs> it seems like it might work for you as well um i will give a warning so, so like telly hibbert's interesting in this way because i don't know that she technically should be described as cozy because many of her books deal with mental health and mental illness like this one comes with a content warning for depression and mental health issues but the way that they're dealt with is, like, so warm and loving and supportive so that, like, it feels cozy even though you are tackling difficult things. So mm. that's what we're going with here. So, again, that's Work For It by Talia Hibbert. Alrighty. So, Witches. I picked Legendborn by Tracy Dion, which is a YA witchy novel. And it's about a girl named Brie who's 16 and her mother dies in an accident and she wants to leave like she's so of course <laughs> upset and like just traumatized by this incident that she is looking for a way out of her childhood home and so she gets into a residential program for gifted high school students that's at unc chapel hill and she's like very into that so she goes and then on her first night she witnesses a demon feeding on like the energy of the people on campus and then she also sees a secret society that calls themselves the Legendborn, which is like witches and mer uh, mages, students who hunt down these creatures. Um, and so she sees this fight and this attack. And of course, it's like, what <laughs> is going on here? And then uh, a teenage mage who calls himself Merlin, because of course he does, <laughs> attempts to wipe her memory of what she saw because, you know, get rid of the witnesses. It's very like men in black kind of a vibe. But he fails to wipe her memory. And so that failure kind of unlocks within Brie her own set of magical abilities and also a memory that a previous mage had erased, which was of the night that her mother died. She realizes there was another Merlin at the hospital the night that her mother died. And so she knows that there is something about the quote unquote accident that killed her mom that is not what it seems. And so she decides to infiltrate the legend board with her new talents, her new magical abilities to try and figure out what actually happened to her mom. And if these people are like people to be trusted or people to be defeated. And that kind of push and pull is what pulls the whole rest of the story. She teams up with an exile with a, a guy named Nick who was like quit the legend born. He's got his own grudge and reasons for being upset with the group. And so she gets closer and closer to all of these secrets. Um, so it's got a lot of like that autumnal campus secret society vibe going on but with actual demons and scariness and witchy witchy powers so that's legend born by tracy dion all right our next question is from francis who says i'm looking for books about angry bitter women who are still sympathetic characters we play ourselves was perfect and now i want more any genre, just anything about a woman whose life isn't going how she wants and she has a bad attitude about it. I love this question. <laughs> this is a great question. So I'm giving you one that I haven't finished yet. I'm reading it very slowly because it is kind of intense and heavy because of exactly the reasons why the main character is bitter. 
So, like, that is my note to you that I have not finished this yet. Uh, it's Folklorn by Angela Mee Young-Her. And what I have read, definitely this qualifies. Um, content warnings off the top for child abuse and domestic violence and racism, including the use of slurs. So our main character, Elsa, is Korean-American, and she is a physicist. And when the book opens, she is at this observatory in Antarctica and, like, you know, working on, like, this pa- project that she's passionate about. She's having this affair with one of these the other scientists, and she, like, should be living her best life. But instead, she is haunted by her family past, including, like, sort of, like, a literal hunt. Like, she's seeing this like specter sort of following her around and she's she feels like she's starting to lose her mental balance and she like there's this incident with you know samples getting contaminated and like potentially their research is ruined and is it is it her fault or is it not her fault and another young Asian woman shows up and she has like a very weird response to that and it's like she's just like okay I guess I have to go home like I guess Mm -hmm. I guess I need to leave like maybe like Antarctica is just getting to me and I need to go back into you know the quote-unquote real world and you get sort of flashbacks to her childhood that are very dark and you learn about her mother's mental illness and how difficult her childhood was and then you're also seeing her um, interacting in the academic world in the present and like trying to understand like what is this specter that's haunting her how does it relate to the stories her mother told her as a young woman and like she is so angry and she has a lot of good reasons to be angry but and like she is not graceful about it let us say like she is she's she's taken it out on people who may or may not deserve it and that's like extremely relatable as far as I am concerned and I just think she's a fascinating character and this book is so dense and layered and there's so much going on and again I think it I think it will definitely draw you in and it has the kind of vibe that you're looking for so again that is Folklorn by Angela Mi Young Her. All right. I picked Queenie by Candace Cardi Williams. And I really like this book for this question because the, the the characters who we allow to be angry and bitter, but also still sympathetic are often really interesting. Mm. <laughs> and so Queenie was pitched to not just me, but to the world as Bridget Jones's diary with the black main character. And I still don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> Because Bridget Jones's problems were mostly the products of her personal neuroses. And Queenie's, Queenie's problems are the problems of her personal neuroses and also s- systemic oppression. Mm. So the, the problems that she has that make her into this kind of bitter and angry person are, in, to me, more sympathetic than the problems that Bridget Jones kind of creates because she's a chaos monkey. But not everyone's going to read it that way. Like some people are going to read and have, if the reviews are any indication, are going to read Queenie and feel the same. Like you, these are you're just being whiny. Like move on, you know. So the idea of what, 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 what women are allowed to be angry and bitter about, and what they're allowed to be angry and bitter about, and still get sympathy from other people. That's a fascinating question to me. So mm. Queenie's twenty five. She is a Jamaican British woman who lives in London. Um, she comes from a pretty poor background, like childhood. And she works for a national newspaper and is surrounded by all these like middle class white people. So she's constantly having to deal with that. She has a really messy breakup from her white boyfriend, like in the first chapter of the book, and then goes on to make a series of 
bad decisions with men. And so you can see where the comp to Bridget Jones came from. They have similar jobs. They make similar bad choices with dudes based on their issues with self-worth. But Queenie's self-worth issues are, again, because of systemic problems and not because of whatever personal neurosis she has or both. I mean, I don't know. You, you know, it's up to you. It's a subjective read, right? So she gets, she's angry. But she's still so young, though. Like the character is only 25. So she doesn't have that anger of someone who has lived a long life, but she has justifiable anger just based on the experiences that she's had thus far and the difficulty that she has answering questions that perhaps a white counterpart would have less trouble answering of like, how do I fit into this country or this city? Or who am I meant to be? Where am I going? What is my career going to look like when I'm facing all of these ridiculous questions from my white coworkers about my hair, you know, mm. not and things like that. So if Bridget Jones was dialed up 14 notches, I think that you would get this book. So I prefer it. But you know, again, subjective reading experience. So that's Queenie by Candace Cardi Williams. All right, our last question is from Tiffy, who says, I'm a super big fan of the show. I'm looking for a read alike to The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. I love the fake dating trope and academia setting. Adam is my ideal type, kind of a hard case, but well-meaning, especially to those he cares for. I also like witty banter, how the friend side characters contribute to the story, and how the attraction was portrayed without having a million references to the heroine's bust. Do you have a recommendation for a read-alike? Okay, I'm going to keep going. I picked Hold Me by Courtney Milan, which has trigger warning for mention of suicide. And I think that this is a, a really good pick for this because the hero, Jay, is an academic. He's a professor. He is a total snob and like kind of a jerk um, and maria who's the main character is a secret genius who presents as a kind of i read a review of this book that said that maria reminded the reviewer of a latina l woods like from legally blonde mm. and i think that is really really accurate like she is constant she's always dressed to the nines like she's very invested in in looking a certain way she cares about clothes. She cares about makeup. She cares about all of these things. And when she meets Jay, the hero, who uh, is a scientist, as I said, he's a professor, and Maria's brother works in his lab, Jay immediately dismisses her as like a ditz. But in reality, she's a super genius, and she runs this science like slash math theoretical blog about apocalypse scenarios. And she hides her identity. And Jay has been reading this blog for years. And Jay and Maria have been talking to each other under their like pseudonyms, their online whatever handles for like 18 months and online are slowly falling in love with each other. But in real life would love to set each other's house on fire <laughs> <laughs> and like are very much not into each other. So there are not a million references to the heroine's bust because Jay hates the heroine's bust and like <laughs> hates the idea that she's obsessed with showing her. But, you know, like just thinks that she's this kind of goofy, ditzy, like worthless sort of person. That's def that's the first impression that he gives her. And so she is, of course, understandably like, hey, Die in a fire that I have set. How about that? You know, but of course, since they secretly love each other without knowing it, all of that will come out. There's a bit, there's lots of lots of conflict around that. All the side characters are great. Uh, it's a super diverse book. Jay is Thai and I think Chinese and he's bisexual. Maria is a trans woman. She's Latina, like I said. And their relationship is just, it's hilarious. I mean, I, I love enemies to lovers. I think the banter in an enemies to lovers story is always turned up really high because they have to get to that like Shakespearean level of insult. <laughs> and these two are super geniuses, so they do it really well. <laughs> so that's Hold Me by Courtney Milan. 
I changed my mind like 15 times about what to put for this question. I really struggled because the question mentions um, that uh, Tiffy had previously read on Honeymooners and liked it, but it wasn't a favorite. And the one I could, the, the like one I was like, oh, it's perfect. It was another Christina Lauren book. So I was like, well, I can't pick that. And then I, I don't know. I fell down this rabbit hole of confusion about this question. <laughs> so I apologize. I may have overthought this, but I ended up, I couldn't find one that I wanted to recommend that had both fake dating and academia in it, which is like what it seems like you really wanted. Uh, so instead, I'm just going with academia and then like a surly but well-meaning character and then like a, a less surly character. So that's mm-hmm. Teach Me by Olivia Dade, which is in the something There's Something About Marysburg series. And these are two teachers. Uh, Rose Owens is a, like, very talented teacher who gets very frustrated by this new colleague, Martin, because this terrible administrator that she, like, loathes has given her favorite classes to teach to him very deliberately, like, has done this on purpose. And so she, as far as she's concerned, like... Martin can go elsewhere. Like, she is not going to give him the time of day. She's extremely ice queeny, even though, like, she is, you know, that's not necessarily who she is all the time. Like, she has warm fuzzies uh, for other people, but not for this guy. And then, you know, whatever. He starts to win her over. Like, things start to develop, and that all has to get worked out. And I really loved the other book in this series that I read, which, of course, now I completely forget the name of that. I uh, We've talked about it on the show before. It's the tennis one. <laughs> um, 40 Love. That's what it is, 40 Love. Uh, but I'm excited to have this one, too. My library hold will come in someday. And it seemed like the right vibe for what you're looking for. But again, I may have, like overthought this and gone in the wrong direction. <laughs> so I apologize if that's true. But again, that was Teach Me by Olivia Deed. And that's our show. Autumn show number one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to our audio editor, Jen Zink, who takes out all of our sneezes. Um, We don't have COVID. For more recommendations, please go to bookriot.com. And you can find all of our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Uh, If you are inclined, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It makes the show easier for other people to find. Um, Thank you to our sponsors. You can find us on social media. I'm on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson. Where's Jen? I'm back. I am on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L. Or you can find me on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And we will be back next week. 